The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. With the climate crisis deepening month on month, year on year, can policy get ahead of it? And are agricultural practices changing fast enough to play their appropriate part? Or is the sector shouldering too much of the blame for the current crisis? We are joined on the line by the President of the Irish Farmers Association, Tim Cullinan, and in studio by environmental journalist John Gibbons. Good morning and welcome to you both. Now, let's start with uh, you, John. If you could lay out your stall as to why agriculture is simply not doing enough. Uh, Good morning, Pat. Yeah, I think the first thing to say is that up until... 2010. So, so from 2000 to 2010, uh, Chagas tracked uh, the data and basically agricultural emissions were in line with government policy, were slowly declining year on year. So over that decade, we had a nice steady decrease in agricultural emissions. Now, that, that was again in line with government policy. Now, what's happened in the interim, say between 2010 and 2020, is that agricultural emissions have increased by 19%. So essentially, they've gone up by one fifth in the course of a decade. Now, it's a very unfortunate timing, Pat, because, of course, this is the very time that we know that we've got to get real on climate action. So we have a situation where we, the Irish government, we're signed up to the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. We have binding international commitments on climate. uh, And yet we have the situation where the largest emitting sector in Ireland, which is the agriculture sector, accounting for about 37% of total uh, greenhouse gas emissions, is in fact year on year increasing the amount of pollution that it creates. Now, the sector will talk to you, they'll talk to you about efficiency, they'll talk to you about new technology and all of the above. Now, when you look at the effect of all of these things, Pat, what you end up with is rising emissions. The atmosphere only responds to whether the emissions are going up or going down. It doesn't really care how efficient you are in doing it. So the bottom line here is gross agricultural emissions are rising at a time when they need to be reducing sharply. Okay, Tim, uh, so even though you're doing things more efficiently because uh, output is rising, emissions are rising and that's the bottom line. Yeah, I suppose. Look, good morning, uh, Pat. And uh, just, I think we need to put this in context. And you know, if we look back to the, the 1990s, we have a similar number of, of bovines on on in the country today as we had then. Don't you know, get that point across first. And look, we all know where we are, and we take climate change very seriously. And it was only July of 2021 that the the government enacted the climate action. Um, piece of legislation and in July of 2022 we were giving a ceiling or a, or a target of 25% and we take this I'd have to say very very seriously and we are working very closely in particular with Chagas who have developed a MAC curve and a MAC plus curve and okay, know, but look just at a, you'd be confusing some listeners maybe but when you say the same number of bovines in the country in the 1990s and uh, John is saying that, um, that in 2010 things were in line with government policy and now they're climbing. So were emissions much higher in the 1990s and fell to 2010? If, if we look at what's happened in agriculture, obviously we had higher numbers in the 90s and then we had a, a quota you know, which was induced, or introduced in the 1980s actually. So obviously farmers couldn't grow their businesses. But, and we're all very well aware that the quota was abol- uh, abolished in 2015 and absolutely government policy at the time was to grow the sector and, and farmers responded to that. 
and you know they were following the advice they were receiving and you know what we have is it's very important to remember what we're talking about here we have a sector that is implying 170,000 people in this country. Only two weeks ago, we've seen we had exports of 16.2 billion out of this country. And John, what's very important here, uh, Pat, is that 16.2 billion trickles down into the local rural economy everyone appreciates the livelihood issue and it's important that we keep rural communities alive and the principal activity of course is agriculture but can agriculture actually get to the levels that the targets that have been set Absolutely. And uh, today, if we look at it, there has been over 100 million invested in low emission slurry technology, which is making far greater use of organic fertilizers. Uh, We have um, an increase of 130% in the use of protected urea. And there is challenges around protected urea from the industry point of view, the availability. But I know the industry is working on that. And if we look at it, 33% of our farms here in Ireland are involved in agri-environmental schemes or measures, and the EU average there is 13%. So to say we haven't been responding, I don't agree with. And if we look at the measures that farmers have adopted already, we can achieve somewhere in the region of 18% of the 25% reduction that is required of our sector. And uh, we had... Um, you mean, you mean at the moment, the way things are going... Yeah you will hit 18% of that 25% by 2030. Exactly. And, but I believe we can achieve the 25% because we had a climate conference in Tolman Park only recently where we brought all of the actors in the chain together, from from the farmers right through to the scientists to the legislators. And it was very clear there the work that has been done, in particular with ICBF and Chagas, the research that has been done, you know, pasture based or animals grazing on grassland are are producing less methane emissions and what the other trial work that has been conducted at the currently is selecting the genetics of animals that do okay. produce, produce less, less, less methane. methane. So but just, just when to we clarify, adopt, to, and when, when those go, measures are yeah. adopted, we can achieve a Be, Before I go, I go back to John, are you saying that, you know, when the EU uh, or whoever that is looking at the emissions f- uh, from bovines, that they are taking kind of an average of, you know, uh, bovines that are kept in sheds and fed nuts and so on, and they are producing more methane than the grass-fed uh, bovine. Is is that what you're saying, that we are unfairly as, treated as, as, in the calculation? Yeah. Absolutely. What we want is to establish, you know, what exactly uh, the emissions that have mm-hmm. been admitted from our animals here in Ireland and, you know, Chagas, our state body, who is receiving substantial funding from the state each year okay. to work to, 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 to develop um, the, the science around sure. this. And, and that is happening as we um, speak. And, we and know, I believe you know, that we, 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 we can prove this. Uh, we, and just one final point, um, Pat, like the other side that uh, is not being spoken very much about at the moment is the Lulu, Lulu, CF, or the land use. So her farmers can sequest um carbon into their soils but we have no measurement on that either and that is happening at the moment you know we are working on a tier one or an international standard 
and you know over the next okay. year to eighteen months. So you're we, not getting. We will have a, a more precise measurement yeah, yeah, on yeah. the amount of carbon. Yeah, I know. Being I know you're not land. being given credit for sequestered carbon. Equally, we've had the discussion before with you about um, forestry and so on, and how the state will take the credit there rather than individual farms. Um, John, that question of us not being treated fairly, and uh, you know, we're always trying to be the best boy in the class in everything when it comes to the European guidelines and so on. If our animals grazing on grass are producing less methane per head than those in sheds, surely that should be reflected in the calculation. I totally agree, Pat, if that were the case. But in fact, it's not the case. What we find is that uh, ruminants that are grazed primarily with grass produce more methane per kilogram of milk than ruminants that are fed uh, grains and cereals, right? Uh, uh, Tim, again, is interested in efficiency. Now, uh, there was a large study published in New Zealand last year that looked at this. And what they found was that New Zealand is 40% more carbon efficient as a dairy producer than Ireland. In fact, the same study what found... What are they doing? What they're doing, basically, is their their agricultural system is less is less. Uh, grass dependent than Ireland, right? So the irony here is we keep hearing uh, from Tim and others about the unique efficiency, sorry Tim, uh, about the unique efficiency of a grass-based system. And Tim, unfortunately, is not at all in line with the science here. Grass-based systems produce more methane per kilogram, not less. And the other point, very important to make about grass-based systems, of course, is that we're importing about a million tonnes of chemical nitrogen fertilisers into Ireland in order to produce all of this grass-based fertilisers. And that is the issue. Now, if you don't like the 2021 uh, study from New Zealand, if you have an issue with that, let me instead give you a 2017 European Commission study. And that found, at the time there were 28 uh, EU members, it found that Ireland produced more carbon emissions per euro of food production than any other country, Pat, in the European Union. What this tells us, in fact, is that we've designed Designed a uniquely carbon inefficient uh, system okay. of Let's agriculture. Let's go back to Tim on that. Uh, John is disagreeing with your suggestion that grass-fed uh, ruminants produce less methane. He's saying you produce more and all you have to do is go to well, New Zealand uh, yeah. where they have obviously a mixture of grass and other feeds and they have the, the, less carbon. The, 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 the first point uh, Pat, is in New Zealand the animals are out virtually all year round and, and, and in our system here in Ireland the, the animals do give a limited period indoor and on fertiliser we have used up to 20% less fertiliser in this company country in 2022 because farmers have adopted the new technology developed by our own research authority here in Ireland the low emission slurry spreading and are able to replace chemical fertiliser with organic fertiliser that is uh, applied in a proper manner to, to, to the grassland. And look, there's a learning curve here. All of this has come about over the last number of years by the, the, the precise work that Chagas is doing. And I'm amazed here now because what John is doing here, he's dismissing what uh, our lead researcher in the country put forward to us at our climate action, our climate conference in Tolman Park only two weeks ago. So, I mean, I'm working with the advice that I'm uh, receiving from uh, our research body, Chagas. Chagas has a very good reputation as being an honest broker in this regard. I mean, often giving the farmers news they don't want to hear. And they are saying that uh, these ruminants fed on grass are best. Okay. 
I, I think it's important, Pat, not to get bogged down in this precise point. And I'll tell you why. And I, I, I want to go back to Chagast and its roadmap. Chagast developed a roadmap for the dairy sector for 2027. They plan in the next number of years to increase milk production by 1.5 billion litres by 2027. Now, that roadmap envisages three things, Pat. Number one, more methane emissions. Number two, increased water pollution. And number three, a continuing decline in biodiversity. The problem here is there is no easy win in this. And I think Tim will acknowledge this. We have, for example, we, we, we find that only 15% of Ireland's key habitats under the EU Habitats Directive are now in a favourable condition. That means most of them are in an unfavourable condition. And we also find bird species, particularly in agricultural areas, are in, quote, serious decline. Yeah. We also but have... Andrew, th- Andrew's been on the text screen. He's says, tell your speaker, John, that New Zealand's wildlife has been destroyed by uh, agriculture. And, you, you know, you're touting New Zealand as a better example. No, and he's saying, no, well, I, I completely agree with your texture. New Zealand has had enormous problems with its r- rampant expansion of its dairy sector. I merely make the point that people who want to talk about efficiency Right. If you want to do that, well, then move your 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 agriculture system to a more efficient area. You could have picked Denmark, Sweden, France, Canada, the US or Australia. All of these countries, Pat, are more efficient at producing uh, milk than we are in Ireland. We we've created a mythology, a national mythology. Tim. Yeah, I I think we need to be very careful here because there's a balance required here as well. And I've been traveling around the world, meeting farm leaders from countries, in particular, I'm down here about African farm leaders. And I sat at a conference outside of COP27 around the table and the concern of those farm leaders was, would there be enough food for their people tomorrow morning? And you know, we need a balance here. And I disagree with John. I think we have one of the best climatic countries in the world to produce food and that has been proven and you know, we, I think we have an obligation at this point in time to help with uh, supplying food to people across the world and if we don't produce this food here and the whole question of carbon leakage has to come in here as well because if it's not produced here in Ireland well obviously it's going to be produced in a country that's less carbon efficient so we've seen what has happened in mm. Brazil over the years and I just want to say that there's no one takes um, responsibility more serious for the environment, for um, everything that's going on around the environment here in Ireland than the farmers themselves. Okay, John. And nobody knows how the climate works yeah. better than the farmers. Uh, and I think w- that's one very point, important. One point. And, and the food security yeah. element. Uh, and that's a point I'm about along to make. climate is critically De- important. Declan has been on. He says, has the Russian-Ukraine war taught us nothing? Food and energy security are the most important national right. requirements. Remember the poor souls who died in the famine. Their last breaths were lovely and clean, but that wasn't much good to them. That's from Declan. That whole question of food security, of being an exporter of food, a reasonably efficient exporter of food, John. If we don't do it, others who are less carbon efficient will do it. That's what they call carbon leakage. Sure. Well, first of all, Pat, as I've already explained, we're not the most carbon efficient by any distance. But let me address the food, the, the security issue for a moment, right? Globally, 
livestock and, and the land given over to livestock uses up 82% of the world's farmland is dedicated to livestock production. Now that, that land produces 18% of calories for human consumption globally and 33% of protein. So that means basically one-fifth of the world's land, Pat, is feeding four-fifths of the world's people. Why? Because it is primarily uh, involved in producing food for direct human consumption. How do we do that? Let's look at the countries that are super successful at this, right? Holland, the world's most successful uh, agricultural exporter, particularly for its size. Holland is about the size of Munster and Holland produces 100 billion euros of uh, food production a year. Right. One hundred billion. So it wipes the floor with Irish food production. And yet Holland is producing primarily food for human consumption. It produces lots of of, uh, flowers as well, of course, for export. But food for human consumption because of a highly advanced horticulture industry. Now, in fact, Holland also has a dairy industry, but the Dutch government are currently paying their farmers to get out of dairying because they've had such uncontrollable problems with nitrogen pollution. Let's go back to Tim on that one. And this will be maybe the final point. Uh, change to uh, horticulture, vegetable production, direct consumption. uh, Yeah, but I think John should uh, come and meet some of the farmers along with myself, Pat. I sat in a room earlier last year with the final hundred horticulture farmers we have here in Ireland, and they are struggling to survive. This is the reality. And what needs to happen here is we have a plan. We're working with our government, but there's funding required here now as well. We're hearing Minister Ryan saying we need to adopt further new measures. No better than farmers to adopt further and new okay. and enhanced new measures, provided the proper funding and 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 the wherewithal yeah. to do this. Is, we we is are, though, Tim. In fairness, we are importing huge amounts of vegetables, including potatoes, for heaven's sake. And I know maybe you know the climate here is not quite as benign as it would be for much of the summer in Holland. Um, but do we do we have a problem competing on price with Egypt, with Malta, with uh, wherever on vegetables? Exactly, that's what's happening. Like we are, uh, our produce is being replaced by cheaper product coming in. And look, I don't want to get into this debate this morning, but there's another whole debate here around retailers and using those products as loss leaders. That's a major concern. And if there was equity okay. and fairness, in the so food John, case, I'll go back to you. Have that scenario to, happen? I'll go back finally to John. Look. They'd love to do it if there was money in it, if it could be made, if it could be provide a livelihood. But you can't compete against the Egyptian spud, etc., etc., etc. Yeah, I think, first of all, Pat, um, you correctly said we, we're a major food exporter of, of pr- principally beef and dairy, which is, which is fine insofar as it goes. However... We're a massive food importer. 80% of all the food in your supermarket, and I'm not just talking about pineapples and coffee, 80% of all the food, including most of the vegetables, are imported, which is an extraordinary failure of policy. In a world in which we have, uh, if you like, growing political insecurity and food insecurity, what we need primarily from our agriculture sector, which I should add, receives over 2 billion euros in subsidies, direct and indirect, from the EU and the Irish taxpayer. What we want in exchange is we want good water quality, quality. We want to meet our biodiversity targets. We want a reduction in in pollution. That's what we want and expect from our agriculture sector. And I think the problem, Pat, to date has been a huge 
lack and lacuna in leadership uh, from from that sector. Instead, what they're doing is pushing a very narrow livestock, particularly a dairy agenda, and they're paying no heed to the wider well, picture. If, if the alternatives don't make money, um, in fairness to Tim, I don't think you can well, expect them to A quick to final change. point on that, Pat, if I might. Uh, there was a proposal recently put forward by the Food Vision Committee, or, uh, Committee and what they proposed was to allow what are called suckler farmers to exit from, from it. In other words, farmers who produce uh, cattle for who rear cattle for, for beef. And the IFA and the meat industry objected to the suckler scheme because, of course, they don't want a reduction. That was giving 50% of the farmers, by the way, who were surveyed by the Irish Farmers Journal, said they would like to take part in that well, scheme. Then, we will have to leave it there, and I don't want to go into that particular scheme. That's a debate for another day. But uh, John Gibbons, environmental journalist, and Tim Cullinan, president of the Irish Farmers Association, uh, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.